Welcome to the Frederick Seventh-day Adventist Church Podcast, your place for positive, uplifting messages of hope. You can learn more about us at fredericksdachurch.org. Life is full of expiration dates, and today Robert Quintana explains that God wants us to learn how to appreciate what we have while we have it, and his message, being mindful of expiration dates. I hope that everyone enjoyed their Thanksgiving Can I have a show of hands of those that ate too much? Show of hands of those that ate just right. Show of hands of those that didn't eat enough. All right. (laughs) Oh, what a great time. I love Thanksgiving. Um, Heather and I had an opportunity to go to Oklahoma for just a few days and uh, visit the my in-laws, her parents, and we had a fabulous time, great time. Um, put, a, put a few hay bales out for the cattle. Yes, I did. Worked a little bit over, over this little break and uh, uh, put out some feed and uh, did a little bit of uh, rock removal. Um, gathered a few uh, logs of, of wood, but uh, had a really good time. And uh, as always, during this time, you're, you're always reminded or you're forced to think about the things that you're grateful for. Maybe this is a tradition at your home, but you know, you around the table and everyone has to go and say something that they're grateful for. You know what I'm talking about? So, you know, the first person starts, well, I'm, I'm thankful for family. And then the next person says, I'm thankful for friends. Then the next person, well, I'm thankful for the food on the table. And then it seems like by the third, fourth, maybe fifth person, you know, they're, they're scrounging around trying to find something that's different, that's unique, and you're trying to think of what it is that I'm thankful for. And sometimes they just, you know, fall back on, well, I just want to go back and echo what so-and-so said. I'm really thankful for family. You know, but it's around this time of year, that we think about, and for some of us, we're forced to think about the things that we're grateful for. And the truth is that if we were to start making a list of everything that we're thankful for or grateful for, I would think it would be a pretty long list. We're not always conscious of it. We're not always thinking about it because, well, you know, there's so much going on, you know, work, and for some of us, there's school and studying and chores and paying the bills and trying to make ends meet, and there's just so much going on that we sometimes forget all the things that we should be or ought to be grateful for. And it's good that we have a season like this where we are sometimes forced to think about those things that we are grateful for, thankful for, should be thankful for. Expiration dates. Anybody ever reach inside a refrigerator and pull out the, you know, the half gallon of milk or the milk gallon and you open it up and you get kind of a weird smell? You know, wait a second. You pull it up to your nose and you go, whoa, and you check the expiration date and it's been maybe a week. Anybody ever been there? I know what I do when I go to the grocery store you know, I, I always look at the date on the milk, you know, and, and usually sometimes it'll say like a week. You know, a week's not good enough, so I kind of dig in the back because that's usually where, 
you know, the ones that are like three, four weeks out, you know, are in the back. So those are the ones that I pull out. But expiration dates, you know, I don't like expiration dates because they remind me that I did not take advantage of what I had. Maybe you take some bread out of the counter and it has some fuzz on it, some mold, and you think, oh, I was really looking forward to that. And you think to yourself, I didn't take advantage of that when I had it. Or maybe a coupon. Have you ever had a coupon that you've been looking forward to using? You know, at like Bath and Beyond or Michael's, 25% off all frames or whatever. And, and you take that coupon, all excited to use it. Maybe it's, a, you know, for a, a large pizza, all toppings. And you pull it and, and you're in the middle of ordering it. And then you read the fine print. Expired yesterday. Oh, I didn't take advantage of what I had while I had it. And it's sometimes very frustrating when something expires or something goes rotten. I'm going to let you in on a little family secret. See, I don't mind if things go a few days past their expiration date. Heather, on the other hand, it's a different story. I mean, if it, it doesn't, you know, I'll pull something out and, and, you know, she says, what's the expiration that on that? I've been seeing that around for a while. Oh, it's fine. <laughs> what's the expiration date? Oh, it's two days ago. Trash. I'm like, babe, it's fine. It's okay. We can still eat it. No. And she says, I do not understand expiration dates. She says, expiration dates are there for a reason. And if it's a day old, it's in the trash. And I have to admit, sometimes when she's out of the kitchen, <laughs> I can't do it. I can't do it. But you know, sometimes she'll put something on the counter and she'll say, it expires tomorrow. If you want it, you better eat it today. <laughs> so because I want to take advantage of what I have while I have it, I'm stuffing my face with stuff that I really don't want, but because it's going to expire tomorrow, I'm taking advantage of it today. I want to talk to you here today about taking advantage of something that is at our disposal every day, but I fear that we don't take advantage of it as much as we should. In fact, I think we take this one thing for granted. And it is available to us every day, every morning, every second of the day. And I don't think that we take advantage of this one thing as much as we should. And I want to encourage everyone here today, when you find out what that one thing is, I want you to be conscious of it. And I want you to leave this place thinking, I am going to take advantage of this whenever I remember, however many times However many times it comes to mind, I'm going to take advantage of this one thing. I'd like for you to turn in your Bibles to the book of Luke, Luke chapter 15. We're going to read a story in its entirety, Luke chapter 15, starting with verse 11. We referenced this story a few weeks ago, but we're going to read it in its entirety here today. Luke chapter 15, starting with verse 11. I'm reading from the New King James Version today. Luke chapter 15, starting with verse 11. 
It is the story of the lost son or the prodigal son. And in verse 11, it starts and it says, he said, then he said, a certain man had two sons. And the younger of them said to his father, father, give me the portion of goods that falls to me. So he divided it to them, his livelihood. And not many days after, the younger son gathered all together, journeyed to a far country, and there wasted his possessions with prodigal living, or as some versions might say, with wasteful living. Now, though the Bible says it was a faraway country, we know that it couldn't have been too far away because later in the story, we find out that the older son knew what the younger son was up to. So the rumor mill was alive and well back when this happened. Word was getting back to the family as to what this younger son was doing with his portion of the inheritance. And it says here that he lived his life, wasted his possessions with wasteful living or prodigal living. Verse 14, but when he had spent all, there arose a severe famine in that land. And he began to be in want. Then he went and joined himself to a citizen of that country. And he sent him into his fields to feed swine. And he would gladly have filled his stomach with the pods that the swine ate. And no one gave him anything. Verse 17. But when he came to himself, he said. In other words, when he came to his senses. When he realized what he had done, he was like, what in the world am I doing? I mean, this is crazy. This is ludicrous. Here I am wishing to eat the swine's food. And then he starts to think how good I had it back when I was at home, back when I was in my father's house. You know, I had a little bit of a moment when I moved to college. And then I realized how good I had it at home. Because all of a sudden now I'm having to do my own laundry. You know, in college, you know, the clothes doesn't appear, you know, ironed and nicely folded on the bed as it did when I was at home. You know, now I'm having to fend for my own food, you know, preparing my own meals. You know, I mean, it was just, I I had that realization. I couldn't wait to go off to college. And then once I was there, I was like, whoa, whoa, wait a second. I didn't realize how good I had it back home. I wasn't thankful. I wasn't grateful. I was, I was taking for granted what was good about my situation at home. I had to start paying a few bills. Like, what's up with this? I mean, and, and the envelope's addressed to my name now. You know, now 10 years into the ministry... Man, I look back to my days in college, and I'm like, man, I had it sweet back then. And you might hear people say, if only I knew then what I know now. And sometimes I think to myself, did I really take full advantage of my days in college? I mean, did I really take advantage of those days? And all that teaches me, all that teaches us is that maybe we need to start taking advantage of every day we have now. Because maybe 10, 20, 30 years from now, we'll look back to this time in our lives and we'll say, man, it was good back then. 
So the lesson for us is, listen, we need to take advantage of what we have now. Regardless of our situation, regardless of our circumstances, we need to be thankful for what we have now. I was just sharing with someone a little bit about my message earlier this week. And he said to me, he says, you know what? It's true. He says, you can lose everything overnight. Everything. You can lose it overnight. And so the reminder is we need to take advantage of what we have now while we have it. This is what he stumbled upon. When he came to his senses, he realized, man, I had a good in my father's house. Verse 17. But when he had come to himself, he said, how many of my father's hired servants have bread enough and to spare? And I perish with hunger? I will rise and go to my father and will say to him, father, I have sinned against heaven and before you, and I will no longer, and I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. And he arose and came to his father, but when he was still a great way off, his father saw him and had compassion and ran and fell on his neck and kissed him. And the son said to the father, Father, I have sinned against heaven and in your sight and am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servant, bring out the best robe and put it on him and put a ring on his hand and sandals on his feet. Completely took him off guard. I mean, he was completely surprised by the reaction of the father. You see, because he thought the father was going to scall him or be angry with him or maybe say to him, oh, now you're realizing what you did. But no, the father did not respond that way. The father saw him a distance and the father ran to him. The father, the Bible tells us, threw himself on his younger son and kissed him and hugged him on his neck, put a robe on him, put a ring on his finger representing you are back in the family. You are now part of this family again. He put sandals on his feet and then he calls for the servants to, to kill the fatted calf. We're having a party. We are celebrating And so in verse 22, it says, but the father said to his servants, bring out the best robe and put it on him and put a ring on his hand and sandals on his feet and bring the fatted calf here and kill it and let us eat and be merry. For this, my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found and they began to be merry. What a celebration. Can you imagine? Just put yourself there. Here, this son had been gone away for years. They'd been hearing rumors about what he was doing. Can you just imagine the father's heart and his mind and his prayers day after day? Father God, please protect him. Wherever he's at, watch over him. Please help him understand that he needs to come back to a place where he's loved, to a place where he's accepted. Just guide his footsteps wherever he is. Through the power of your Holy Spirit, please guide him. Listen, I know that there's a lot of parents here today who have very similar prayers. Can I just encourage you not to give up? Can I encourage you not to stop praying for your wayward son or daughter? You just keep on praying. You keep on going before the throne of God and saying, God, please watch over him or her. Protect them. 
guide their footsteps, lead them back home, lead them back to the church. Don't stop praying for our children. And so here it says in verse 25, now his older son was in the field and as he came and drew near to the house, he heard music and dancing. I mean, this must have been a pretty big party that as he's approaching the house, he's hearing the music and he's probably wondering what in the world is going on. So he called one of his servants and asked what these things meant. And he said to him, your brother has come and because he has received him safe and sound, your father has killed the fatted calf. Now, you would think that the older son would be happy that his brother, his younger brother, who had left home, who was living this kind of life, the kind of life that can end just like that. You think that he might be happy, that he might be merry, that he might want to join in the celebration. You see, the the issue here now is that the younger son was taking for granted living, but the older son was taking for granted life. And he didn't realize that while this younger son was out, he could have lost his life anywhere. He probably thought, oh yeah, he'll come back, whatever. And he was taking for granted life itself. But here it says in verse 28, but he was angry and would not go in. He was so angry that he wouldn't even go in the house. He was furious He was probably stomping around the barn. Can you believe this? Can you believe that dad is having a party? I mean, he just wasted all of his inheritance. What's going on here? And so he expressed some of his frustration. The last part of verse 28, therefore his father came out and pleaded with him. In verse 29, so he answered and said to his father, lo, these many years I have been serving you. I've never transgressed your commandment at any time. And yet you never gave me a young goat that I might make merry with my friends. But as soon as this son of yours came, who has devoured your livelihood with harlots, you killed the fatted calf for him? In verse 31, and he said to him, son, you are always with me and all that I have is yours. It was right that we should make merry and be glad for your brother was dead and is alive again and was lost and is found. It's interesting that neither of these two brothers realize what they had. The younger took for granted what he had and he left the house. The older was taking for granted what he had, but he stayed in the house. But do you notice that both of them were taking for granted what they had in life and that they were not taking advantage of what they had while they had it? And so here's this story that's bookmarked by two men, two young men who are refusing to realize what they have while they have it. 
But for me, the crux of this story is in the middle. For me, the crux of this story, what the, the most beautiful aspect of this whole story is the father and how the father responds to both the younger and the older. Because in both instances, the father responds with forgiveness. The father responds with forgiveness. When he sees the son coming, the younger son coming, he runs to him, right? And when he's trying to confess and repent, he's saying to him, Father, I've sinned. He's like, listen, son, you are forgiven. It's time to move on. You're here. You're well. You're alive. We're going to party. You are here. I forgive you. And with the other son, it says that he went out and he pleaded with him. In other words, he wasn't holding that sin against the son. Instead, he was saying, just come on in. Let's join in the celebration. I forgive the fact that you're taking for granted just as much as the younger son. I forgive you for that. And here lies the one thing that I don't think we take advantage of as much as we should, and that is the forgiveness that God extends to us every day. Maybe some of us take it for granted. Maybe some of us aren't even mindful of it. And I know that for some of us here today, we just feel as though we've gone too far away to be forgiven by God. But can I just share with you a few verses here in just a second, but I need you to know here today that God's forgiveness stands true today and tomorrow in your life, regardless of your circumstances, regardless of your situation, regardless of what you've done, God stands here today ready to forgive. And I want to share with you a few verses I'd like for you to turn to Micah chapter 7. Micah chapter 7. It's a little book towards the end of the Old Testament. It might be a little hard to find. It's right after the book of Jonah, right before the book of Nahum. Micah chapter 7. Micah chapter 7, verse 18. Micah chapter 7, verse 18. Who is a God like you? Pardoning iniquity or forgiving sins and passing over the transgression of the remnant of his heritage. Here Micah is saying, who? Who can fathom? How can it be? Who is a God like you who forgives and passes over the transgression of the remnant? which by the way, is only made possible because of the sacrifice of Jesus Christ on the cross. But he is willing and able to forgive. Micah is, is, is taken back. Who is a God like you? He goes on to say, he does not retain his anger forever. And I love, love, love this sentence because he delights in Mercy. He delights in mercy. Listen, I don't delight in doing the dishes. I don't delight in in passing the vacuum around the house. I do it because I have to do it. Do you get me? Do you understand that? 
God doesn't forgive because he has to forgive. God forgives because he delights in forgiveness. He delights in mercy. It is something that, that he just loves to do. And he's just waiting, waiting every waking moment of your life. He's just waiting for you to come before him and say, God, I am sorry. Please forgive me. Done. Forgiven. Clear. Through the blood of Jesus Christ, he made it possible. I can now forgive you. Your sins are not held against you. You are forgiven. He delights in mercy. In verse 19, he will again have compassion on us and will subdue or take captive, take hold. He will control. He will subdue our iniquities, our sins. You, God, will cast all our sins into the depths of the sea. This is what God specializes in. This is what God loves to do. Because of Jesus Christ, it is possible now for him to do something that he loves to do, which is to come to you and have you say, God, forgive me, and then have him. He loves to take your sins and forgive those sins and just throw them in the depths of the sea. This is what he loves to do. And we need to take advantage of this. We need to, in a way, exploit what God loves to do. In every day of our lives, whenever we are reminded, whenever it comes to our minds, we need to say, God, forgive me. I am sorry. I have wronged you. I don't even know how I've wronged you, but I, I'm sure I have somehow, some way. But God, please forgive me. And you cannot think that you've gone too far, or that you've committed too many for you to be forgiven. No, because God takes delight in forgiving. And the Bible teaches us that where sin abounds, grace abounds that much more. This is what God delights. Now, I know that forgiveness is a kind of a tricky thing. You know, maybe sometimes we ask for forgiveness in our prayers and we get up from that prayer and maybe we don't feel forgiven or we think, did that really work or did that really take place? Or I want to give you two indicators of whether or not you've experienced true forgiveness. Okay? Two indicators. These are two things that you can take with you. And whenever you ask God for forgiveness, you ought to, should be able to experience these two indicators. And by experiencing these two things, you will know that you've been forgiven, that you have experienced true forgiveness. The first one is found in Psalms chapter 32. Turn there with me to Psalms chapter 32, verse 1. The first indicator of whether or not you have experienced true forgiveness. Psalms chapter 32, verse 1. And it reads, Blessed is he whose transgression is forgiven. There are some versions that might say happy is he or peaceful is he. Blessed is he whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. Indicator number one, you should experience peace over the forgiveness that you've just received. 
In other words, you should be at peace or you should be happy. You should be relieved. You should feel free from that sin. Now, I'm not saying that you should feel complacent. I'm not saying that you just now have this attitude that, okay, sit back, you know, no worries. No, 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 no. You should feel at peace, but at the same time feel empowered to move forward and overcome that sin. But you should feel at peace when you go before God. So you go before God and you start asking God, God, I need you to forgive me. God, I'm asking for your forgiveness. You really should not stand up from that prayer until you sense the peace that surpasses all understanding, overwhelming your life and heart and mind. And you know without a doubt that I have been forgiven. In fact, in the book of Acts, it says, confess, repent, that your sins may be blotted out And then it says, so that times of refreshing may fall upon you. So when you experience that confession, when you experience that repentance, and you know that your sins have been blotting out, have been blotted out, you should feel as though it is just pouring on you times of refreshing. You feel empowered. You feel invigorated. You feel ready to go tackle the day. You feel You feel like I can go conquer the world. That is one indicator of whether or not you've experienced true forgiveness or not. A second indicator, and there's a lot of people I know that don't like this next one, but it's in the word of God, so we can't avoid it. Turn to Ephesians chapter 4, Ephesians chapter 4, verse 32. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 32. The second indicator that one has experienced true forgiveness. Ephesians chapter 4 verse 32 says this. And be kind to one another. Tenderhearted. Listen to this. Forgiving one another even as God in Christ forgave you. A true indicator of whether or not you have been forgiven is how forgiving you are of others. You might remember the story of the, of the man who owed a big debt to his master. You remember that? And he goes before the master and he says, I, I have this huge debt. I'll try and pay it off. And the master knew, listen, this debt cannot be paid off in your lifetime or in the next. So the master, out of grace and mercy, He says, I will forgive you this debt. You don't have to pay it. I forgive you of this debt. Now, many of you have read this story. What happened? The man leaves the master's house and he sees someone on the street that owes him seriously pennies compared to what his debt was to the master. And what does the man do? Does he go up to him and says, <laughs> listen, I've just been forgiven a huge debt. I'm going to forgive your debt towards me. See, I don't think that man really experienced true forgiveness. Yeah, his debt was forgiven, but he himself did not experience true forgiveness. Why? Because he looked at that man that owed him a few dollars and said, you owe me a few bucks. And he calls the guards and he throws them in prison until you pay me 
where everyone standing around said, what in the world is going on here? This is crazy. He just got this huge debt forgiven. So the word gets back to the master and you know the story. The master calls him in and he says, "Uh uh-uh, no way. I forgive you this big debt and then you go out. One indicator of whether or not you've experienced true forgiveness or not is whether or not your attitude changes towards other people. In other words, because I have been forgiven, I now forgive you. I now forgive you. Two indicators, very real indicators that you can use to determine whether or not you've experienced true forgiveness. Are you at peace? Are you experiencing times of refreshing? Are you experiencing uh, the kind of love that says we're going to make it, we're going to conquer it, we're going to overcome? And the second one is, how are your relationships with others? Are you being more forgiving towards others? When someone wrongs you, are you more forgiving towards them? Listen, I want us to take advantage of God's forgiveness. He delights in it. I want us to take advantage of it. And I want us to be thankful for the forgiveness that God extends to us each and every day. And so I know that some of you were up early or went to bed late, depending for the whole Black Friday thing. Anybody get some good deals out there? Yeah? No? Not worth it? I love going through the paper. And I like skimming through all the coupons and through all the sale items just to see. Every once in a while, I come across something that I'm like, man, that's a really good deal. I mean, you know, like an eight megapixel, uh, I mean, an eight gigabyte little flash drive, you know, and it's like two ninety nine or something. You know, and then I read the fine print between 2 and 4 a.m., I'm like, yeah, that's not going to work for me. <laughs> but uh, I, I pulled some of these out because I, I want to just reference some of these. And, and I want you to, you know, maybe out loud or, you know, maybe in your head, I want you to, to tell me if God's forgiveness, uh, if these offers apply to God's forgiveness. Okay? Does this apply to God's forgiveness? Limit one per customer. You go to God, God, I'm sorry, forgive me, you're forgiven. But it's one per customer, don't come back with that same one. Does that happen with God's forgiveness? Of course not. Of course not. It's not limit one per customer. God knows that we struggle. God knows that this is a journey. And however many times it takes, that's how many times God is going to forgive you. All right. How about this one? Limited quantities. While supplies last. God, please forgive me. Oh, sorry. I ran out of forgiveness this morning. No, right? It doesn't apply to God's forgiveness. God's grace and mercy are infinite. Where sin abounds, grace abounds that much more. So he's never going to run out of forgiveness for you or for me. All right. How about this one? It says after 1 p.m. between 55 and 60% off. 
In other words, God, please forgive me. I'll forgive 50% of that sin. Does that happen? God forgives the whole amount in its entirety. There's none of this, you know, buy one, get one free. There's none of this, you know, 50% off. You know, I'll, I'll, you know, I'll forgive you 50% off this time around. And if, you, if you're straight for a whole week, then, then I'll consider, you know, forgiving the other 50%. No, God's forgiveness is full, paid in full. All right. How about this one? This one's from Macy. Uh, rebate in a mail-in offer. Rebate is a mail-in offer. Allow six to eight weeks for shipping. So you got to read the fine print on these things. You might get up at four in the morning to go to Macy's and then not realize that it's only a mail-in. All right. Does this apply to God's forgiveness? Allow six to eight weeks for shipping. God, please forgive me. All right, I'm going to have to think about that. I'll get back to you in six weeks. Of course not. Of course not. God delights in mercy. He delights in forgiveness. And he's going to do it right there on the spot. And you need to be aware of that. You need to know that. That when you get up from your prayer, you are forgiven. You are covered in the blood of Christ because he paid for that sin at the cross. All right? Last one. I love this one. And I I just had to pull it out. Obviously, you know, here we are on Saturday. Saturday only. (laughs) Does his forgiveness only work on Saturday? Huh? Only when you come to church. Only when you think you're getting it right. It only applies on Saturdays. You know, I, I need to make it as best as I can until next Saturday before I'm forgiven. Of course not. His forgiveness is available every day, every second of the day, whenever we come before him and we say, God, forgive me. I am sorry. He delights in forgiveness and he forgives. You know what? We need to take advantage of the forgiveness that God offers us today. We need to take advantage of it now. Because here's another truth about Scripture that we don't like to talk about, but it's in there. And I need to point it out to you. Because some of these offers say, limited time offer. Does God's forgiveness have an expiration date? You're going to have to think about that one. God's grace and mercy never ends. But you know what? For those who have accepted Christ into their lives will be experiencing this grace and mercy for eternity, forever and ever and ever and ever. But there will come a time. There will come a time and maybe in our lifetime when the forgiveness that Christ extends to us expires. And we will no longer have access to his forgiveness. Just want to point it out. It's something that's in scripture that, you know, we don't like to read about. It's something that that we, we want to kind of forget about. 
And, and I'm not saying this because I want to somehow scare you into going before God and asking for forgiveness. No, I'm saying this because I want you to take advantage of God's forgiveness now. But it says here in Luke, just a couple chapters after the story of the prodigal son, it says here uh, in verse 26, and as it was in the days of Noah, so it will be also in the days of the son of man. They ate, they drank, they married wives, they were given in marriage. In other words, they just took for granted. They just lived life however they wanted. And it says here, until the day that Noah entered the ark and the flood came and destroyed them all. Likewise, as it was also in the days of Lot, they ate, they drank, they bought, they sold, they planted, they built. Man, it sounds a lot like the day and age we're living in. And it says here, but on the day that Lot went out of Sodom, it rained fire and brimstone from heaven and destroyed them all. I'm not sharing this because I want to scare you. I'm sharing this because I do not want this coupon that you have in your hand to expire before you use it. And we have an opportunity right now, right here, every day of our lives to go before God and cash in and take advantage of this forgiveness that he extends to us every day so that we can experience times of refreshing and we can better the relationships that we have with one another. And that can start now. That can start now. So as we leave here today and as we're still kind of in the fested spirit, as we still are celebrating Thanksgiving, let us not forget to thank God for the forgiveness that he extends to us. Let us not forget to make mention of it and let us not forget to take advantage of it and to go before God and say, God, I praise you and I thank you that through Jesus Christ, I can experience forgiveness for my sins. Our Father in heaven, Lord, we just thank you and praise you for your goodness. Your word says that your mercies new every morning. And God, we thank you and we praise you that through Jesus Christ, our sins can be forgiven. It's not one per customer. Lord, it's not um, while, while supplies last. No, your forgiveness is there, available to anyone and everyone, no matter what the circumstances, no matter what the background, no matter what the sin, you stand ready to forgive. You delight in mercy. We thank you for the father depicted in the story of the prodigal son who displayed this so beautifully that we do not need to be afraid. We do not need to be scared in coming into your presence because you will only embrace us and accept us and make us one of your own. So God, as we leave this place, whether in public around the table or maybe alone in our room, let us be thankful for Jesus Christ and for the forgiveness that he extends to us. In Christ's name, amen. No matter where you are in your spiritual journey, Frederick Seventh-day Adventist Church would love to help you along the way. We are a family-oriented, grace-filled church serving the Frederick, Maryland area. You can learn more about us at fredericksdachurch.org. For more podcasts, click the sermon audio link.